This is the Self-Helpful Podcast, where I invite today's most important influencers to grapple with their own wisdom and stories in an authentic, relatable conversation about self-help and what drives them. I'm Kevin Miller. I'll be your guide as I distill my guests' greatest wisdom and methodologies into practical, transformative steps. This podcast has been downloaded over 60 million times by people like you and me who want to elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. It is from our creativity where our most valuable work and life events happen. Uh, creativity is not just for the fine arts. When we harness and rely on our creativity to generate our important ideas, have critical thinking, and ultimately our ability to grasp onto hope in our lives, especially when things are challenging, is reliant on, again, our creativity. As life happens, we can easily be at risk of depleting our creative juices, so to say. In this episode, I'm back with artist and guide to artists, Miriam Schulman. You may have run across Miriam's art and story featured on NBC's Parenthood and the Amazon series Hunters with Al Pacino. In our first show together, we discussed the concepts in her book, Artpreneur, the step-by-step guide to making a sustainable living from your creativity. And we really talked about the overall opportunity and really necessity for all of us to find our unique art and showcase a point of view in our work, no matter what we do. Here in the show, we get more personal and get into Miriam's values, motives, and habits, as I do with every guest. And we go through the key areas of life. And in the category of mental health, she discusses the need for us to restore ourselves, restore our hearts, in essence, in order to foster our creativity. When we're consumed and overwhelmed with busyness and worn out, or even just stagnant and bored, we'll find it extremely difficult to think with much creativity. So, What do we do to restore it? This is a key topic from this show. The Self-Helpful Podcast pays tribute to Zig Ziglar, one of our world's most inspirational leaders, and where this show originated from. Ziglar is your premier source for equipping top coaches to help leaders and top performers excel professionally and personally. Visit Ziglar.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. And I thank you so much for tuning, choosing to tune into this self-helpful podcast where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Next up, I bring you art guru, Miriam Schulman, and our walk through her values and motives and habits that bring us into this discussion on restoring creativity and the need for creativity. You can find Miriam's book, Artpreneur, everywhere, and you can get a free chapter actually at schulmanart.com dot com forward slash believe and that's shulman s-c-h-u-l-m-a-n and right now i really encourage you to take whatever device you're listening to this podcast on and find search and find her podcast the inspiration place I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill 
bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. I, I like the idea of going through these values with the premise of art and creativity and point of view. It gives me a different point of view for the episode here. So we start off with okay. spiritual. Uh, what are the va- Yeah, it's a big one. Oh well, yeah. I love this. Yeah. This okay. So All okay. Right. I'm, I'm ready. Strapping in. So values uh, on the spiritual side and then the, the habits that you put in place to walk those out. So uh, we, we talked about on our last episode about how we're different and not hiding how we're different. And, and one of the things that definitely sets me apart, I'm Jewish and I'm from New York. And when I first started selling my art online, not, not selling my art online, but teaching online art classes, I yeah. started looking around at the other women who were teaching and men who were teaching online art classes. And at that time, the ones on my radar, I'm not saying there weren't other people, but the ones on my radar were all from the Midwest. Um, most of them were Mormon women. They definitely weren't Jewish. And so they, and they didn't talk like I did. Uh-huh. And I was very embarrassed about how different I was. And I was like, and they're all talking about the Chris, Christmas and Christmas trees and everything. And so back then I did hide who I was. I was worried about alienating my audience. So that, that was then. That was then Miriam. Current Miriam is no longer afraid to stand out. And so you're asking me about religion and spirituality. But for, for me, as somebody who's Jewish, it's actually, it's more than just the religion. It's also an ethnic identity. Okay. And so how is, does that come into play then as part of yours? We were talking about your point of view, your brand in essence, is that, have you made that, have you, uh, in the first show you talked about, we talked about exaggerating that, but you talked about, oh, to turning the dial up in essence. Yeah. Okay. So this actually came up when in the editing process of my book. So in the chapter where I talk about email marketing, I'm just explaining to artists that you really have to, and I use the term, keep it kosher. Okay. Meaning you need to have like a convert kit or, or MailChimp because a lot of artists don't don't understand this. They think they can just do a, a, a CC to the people they know. Right. And so I said, no, you have to keep it kosher. So the first developmental editor who edited my manuscript, she said, I think you need to rephrase this. Most people won't know what this means. I'm like, really? I mean, kosher. Thank you. It's okay. like on it's like on half the Seinfeld episode. I, I was going to say I use that term. It's just a <laughs> that's right. Common, it's right, a yeah. dictionary. So um, I ignored the first developmental editor because I had plenty of other things to worry about with her with her edits, as I'm sure you've gone through. 
Uh, and then it came back from copy editing where the editor, a different editor said, I don't know what this means. Wow. So this is Harper Collins and from, but you know what, what her eight demographic, where right. she's from, but she said she did. So then I went back and I was like, what should I do? So my I, one version, I actually, one version, cause it's not in the final version. I'm kind of giving away the ending. Yeah. So I said, all right, I'll explain what kosher is. But then I made some snarky, resentful remark. Well, if you haven't seen Seinfeld, this is what kosher means, you know, and I explained it. Yeah. I was like, you know, totally ruining the purpose of having a, a cute little metaphor there. And then when it went, came back for third pass, I crossed it off because here's here's the thing. I'm writing a book telling people to embrace their inner weirdo, to embrace their values, to stand by their quirks. I wasn't going to whitewash myself. Like that's completely de- would defeat the whole purpose of the book. So there were so many times in, in the editing process, there were some places where they came back to me with a critique and... I saw, okay, if I don't listen to this, I don't see it this way. But if I don't listen to this, I'm going to lose my core message. And there were other times where they said they didn't like what I said. And I took it as an invitation to go deeper, to go deeper with my values, to, to put in more Jewish references, to put in more things about Harry Potter, to put in more things and really go harder on what my point of view was. And it wasn't just about the kosher and Harry Potter. Right, right. So uh, the, the biggest thing that came up actually was the the developmental editor didn't like um, how I didn't talk enough about social media. And I was like, okay, I'm dying on this flag. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, this is not the future of marketing. Yeah. So you want to bring this back to spirituality and religion though, right? Uh, we can if there's, yeah, if, if there's more there. Yeah. You're talking about values. That's the heart of it. I mean, really, um, if you're talking about religion now, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the exploratory work I've been doing on Kabbalah, which is this very old tr- spiritual form of Judaism, happened after I wrote the book. Maybe it'll show up in my next book. Okay. But the the whole idea of uh, man is created in God's image, what really that is meant in, in the Kabbalah tr- tradition is that we are co-creators, with the divine on this world. So in terms of our creativity, we are co-creators with a divine force. Now, a lot of artists, writers will tell you that they don't feel like it came from them. Hmm. Like what, like Bob Dylan feels like his poetry is written by ghosts. You know, it's like he's a channel for it. So that is the feeling sometimes of being an artist is it doesn't come from you. It comes from channeling something other than yourself. And that's why a lot of artists either have imposter syndrome with what they do. And many musicians who, you know, they're on stage and they're channeling this divine and they're on this high. And when they come off the stage, they want to recapture that. And when they're not performing, and that's why they turn to drugs, because yeah. they're trying to recapture that that high that they had. Okay, what's interesting to me, Miriam, so I, I like words. And just playing around before this show with the word art, a couple quick definitions, the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination. Another one, something that is created with imagination and skill that is beautiful or that expresses important ideas or feelings. It got me into thinking also about the term of flow. 
So I've been, uh, I had Steven Kotler on the show, I don't know, a year ago or so. And he's well known for flow. Of course, the original guy, doggone, I can never remember. Uh, it's like Mahaley. I can't remember his last name, but on the very flow. hard to pronounce. The very, that's what everybody yeah. says. Yeah. The, the, right. the hard, the flow Jack guy. Or something. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that we're talking about that. And when you talk about, uh, what you just did there with spirituality and sometimes with our greatest art, our greatest expression of point of view of self, our creativity, that's where I find, man, that is, that is flow. I can, I can actually find that here often, just having a conversation about a topic that I'm interested in, that it's just flow. And a lot of times I'll be sitting here and I'm looking at you and I'm thinking about something, but then you stop talking and I just come out with something that that, that wasn't, it wasn't pre-planned and I'm kind of right. listening and watching myself talk. Now I put in my hours, there's a level of mastery, I think, but it is that aspect of creativity and feeling like, yeah, this is, it doesn't, it seems like more than me. I, I appreciate you pulling that out more than me. Yeah. And I think sometimes I do my best work when I'm in conversation with somebody else, because I do feel creativity thrives when there's a collaboration. And that is one of the reasons why I wanted to do that traditionally published book. I knew the book was going to be better because of the, the collaboration aspect. You're talking about real quick, just the study of that uh, you have been of these, of these aspects. Is that something that you set aside, you know, and every day I'm going to make a deposit on that, or is it just something that as it comes, you delve into my, my spirituality? Yeah just, from a, yeah. just from a habitual standpoint. Yeah. So my husband and I, we do belong to a synagogue. We go probably every other weekend because we do have a weekend home in the country. And that's my husband's spirituality is really getting into nature. Amen. Uh, he grew up on a farm. He likes yeah. to ride his tractor. Like it, that is so important to him. So uh, yeah, we're country mouse and city mouse right here. So this couple. So, <laughs> I but I love going to synagogue because, uh, well, the, our service is in Hebrew, which I don't speak or read because I didn't have that education, but it takes me out of myself. Mm. I don't look at my phone for the time that we're there. And it really just ugh, kind of it's meditation. Yeah. So I do have that as a regular practice. Um, the other way that I, feel closer to the divine or to God or whatever you want to call it is by doing what in, in my religion we call mitzvot, which translates to good deeds. So how does that turn out? It's um, I am doing God's work when I am being charitable. Mm. So, Beautiful. and even as a business person, we are charitable and, and I mean, I know you, you, you have thousands of listeners and you've monetized your podcast. Is that right? There's commercials or. Yeah, I make a little money. Sure. Okay, but 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 your listeners are getting it for free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you are a business, but you are also ha giving your your stuff away for free as well. So well, and that's that. where and that's where it started. It was something I didn't make money to begin with. It was just a labor of love, honestly, and just something that I did that I cared about. And as the time went on and the downloads increased, and then you know it does take it takes more money, more time to produce it. And then somebody said, you know, we can help you pay for that by putting some ads in there. And now that's what enables me to go find people like you and to have a meaningful, hopefully intellectual conversation is that I can put my time on this because the bills are being paid by the, by the ads. So yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. With, I'm good with that. Yeah. 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 Relationships is the next one. 
Um, I know you've got family, but I'll ask you right now, when you look at relationships, I know it's a big term to say, what do you value? But there are, there's specific things that, that you know, rise to the surface. And you look at your relationships, what is the value values that rise to the surface for you? Well, I, I do invest a lot in my relationships. So if you're talking about yeah. um, my my marriage, my romantic relationships, I mean, I've been married for 30 years. But beyond that, um, I actually put aside time every week to invest in my relationships. And this work comes out in different ways. So and this has been going on way before I had a podcast. But yeah. Uh, I liked to do the Gertrude Stein thing where I organize a lunch or a dinner for people and I like to introduce people to each other. So that that makes me more connected. And yes, that does help my business grow. Um, but it's like that relationship capital is very important to me. Building relationships. How do you do that with your family specifically? What are the, and I know you got two grown kids out of the house. How do you, what do you keep those relationships going? Through? Yeah. So my, my 25 year old, she doesn't live too far. She spends her vacations with us. She's not married yet. My son, on the other hand, lives in Israel. Okay. So okay. And now I want that story. You told me that early on. He's in the Israeli army. Okay. Explain that. How'd that happen? Okay. So, um, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, who knows what goes on in a teenage boy's mind. I'm not really sure if I'm going to get the exact story right, but he, he was always into. Right now, he's like living his his GI Joe fantasy. (laughs) He's like he's in the IDF. He was a wrestler when he was in high school, and he he wrestled Division Two in college. So he loves being that. Like he's the jacked up special forces. Um, you know the most fit guy in his unit and he's very excited about that but that's uh that's that's different i I like that that's um that's a point of view there uh oh my son has a point of view for sure he always has he's been like i would say he's a 12 you know he's (laughs) he yeah he couldn't you know he was studying nutrition then he had to be a vegan right And now he's like really into Judaism. So he's like Orthodox. So he takes everything. He couldn't just be in the army. He had to be in the special forces. Well, that you have to uh, try out for, but still like that was his goal. I do want to ask on the aspect of relationship and go into our first discussion together with our art, with our creativity, with our point of view that at the end of that, we are seeking to and needing to, I think for opportunity to connect with people. Yeah. But let's, let's, let's highlight something that's very important that I don't want to get lost in this conversation. So when I talked about investing my relationships, you look throughout art history, all the great artists had a network around them. Hmm. Picasso, New Matisse and Gertrude Stein and Hemingway. That was a circle of artists. The French Impressionists, Degas, Renoir, Mary Cassatt, they were all friends with each other. The Abstract Expressionists, we, uh, Lee Krasner was married to Jackson Pollock and Helen Frankenthaler married to Robert Motherwell. And they're all friends and they're all getting drunk together. So like you look throughout time, um, Andy Warhol, friend, friends with Basquiat. Nobody does it alone. They all have a network and a community. It reminds me of on the writing side, of course, that's my, that's more my world of Tolkien and Lewis. They had the inklings. I mean, we had, we did a show on them, uh, are on that 
concept and what they did to come together and help each other in relationship, investing in, as you, you've, you've used that word in this topic, uh, a bunch investing, they invested in each other. It wasn't that they went into a, a cave by themselves to create this work and then come out. Like you said, in the Disney reference with the, the, the adult, you know, beautiful, perfect specimen, there was, uh, a lot of molding information amongst that with other people. There was a collaboration. A collaboration. Thank you. That's right. They read each other's work. Yeah. Yeah. Health and wellness is the next one. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital. And Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash Kevin. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. And th- okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, very important to me. So my mother was a dancer. Um, so we've always had that. She, she was a modern dancer and she learned to dance with Merce Cunningham and Martha Graham and, and did all that. And she definitely gave those values to us. And I, I told you my son was an, a, a wrestler. I was definitely fitter when he was living at home and trying to make weight. I don't don't know if you know anything about wrestling, but like they have to be a certain weight. So like there was 
none of this extra stuff in the house. And what was funny, Kevin, is that I was preparing a, a coaching call for my artist incubator members for tonight on time management. And in that slide deck, and this is a slide deck I wrote like several years ago, and I always go through it. What do I want to change? And in that slide deck was my schedule, the schedule I have. And can I tell you that four years later, it's the same schedule. I still exercise every day at 830. Wow. What do you do? That's a good question. So I, I no longer pick like, you know, I, I like to do boutique exercise. Recently, I joined a gym, but I like to do um, either a form of Pilates on a what's called a mega former. It's like a resist. I don't know what's resistance exercise. What's it called? Functional exercise. Okay. That's the name. That's the word I'm looking for. I like to do that. I like to work with weights. Um, I sometimes like to do spinning. Um, yeah, but it's like that keeps me focused Yeah, is exercise. I cannot have a day of work without doing that first. And it's no longer about like, who you know, with and any of these exercise places, when, when you like to do classes, it's a who's the best instructor. I can't do that. It has to be what's the time that works for me and my schedule, because I need that exercise like at eight, eight or eight thirty. That's when I need to exercise to set me up for success for the rest of the day. That was my question because you said I cannot do a day of work without it, and I was going to say finish the sentence because what? Because that because uh, I'm I'm hunting for creativity for your the juice is flowing. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, I absolutely need to get all that energy, that nervous energy out of my body before I can do contemplative work. Yeah. Whether that is painting, writing, um, what, what, right. You know, right. Writing for the book, writing an email, whatever it is. If, if I'm doing something that's introspective, that takes a lot of my brain power, I need to burn off all that extra energy. When do you do your, on average, have your most creative time during the day? Well, um, it's not so much about the most creative time. Like I would love to say that it's in the morning because there is research that says our willpower is better. Our decision making is better. But the main thing is, is the amount of time that I spend in what I call genius hours. It's never more than four. So okay. I only have basically four hours of genius time available to me. So I try not to burn that off doing mundane stuff. That's the stuff that I have to outsource or give to somebody else. Uh, but it's about, it's a four hours, maybe it's two and two. So it's not a perfect setup, but I tried to do it before. I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to do it at night. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I, that's what I was fishing for because I know I have everybody on here and everybody, you know, talked about the morning time and creativity and I just, I have stuff I got to, like you said, I kind of got to burn off the busy stuff, the stuff in my That's head. That's right. That's whatever. right. And, and sometimes that, that nervous energy, it does show up in the way of, let me get my team organized yeah. like that. And once I've cleaned that dust off, then I can sit down and work. Yeah. I, that's but not at night. Thing. Like, and that's why it's a lie when people say, oh, if only I had more hours in the day. No, that wouldn't mm -hmm. help you. You no. would just be watching Netflix at night. I'm ready for a glass <laughs> of wine and a book and yeah, I'm done. So I, yeah, mine's probably mid to late, you know, mid afternoon to even later afternoon. So I hear you. Uh, on the nutrition side though, just as far as health and wellness, anything you adhere to specifically nutritionally? Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian, but not a vegan anymore. So either I'm a vegan who lies about it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. so yeah. I do eat eggs and I do eat salmon. 
Oh, I, we're doing uh, coho tonight. Uh, fresh, uh, yeah, coho tonight. I, it's interesting. Yeah, vegetarian. I did vegan as well, and now we're back to spirituality. It was like it was like a stout religion. That's hard to do. Uh, I appreciate it, but hard to do. All right, vegetarian mind mental health. That's the next one. And I really look at mental state here that where, so let's go with value again, that when you look at Miriam and where you are, that you're going to think, okay, here's the mental state, you know, mental uh, capacity that I value. What is it? Oh yeah. So I invest in that a lot of, you know, remember we talked in our last episode uh-huh. about like, look at what you, where you're spending your money. That's what you value. Mm-hmm. So uh, my mental health gets, gets a lot of money, gets a <laughs> okay. lot of that pie. Okay. So I, I have life coaches. I, I meditate. I uh, have regular therapy. So I, I do all the things. Uh, regular therapy. Is that, uh, has that been something that I'll ask there because as we know, most people go into that in crisis and then, but then I beat more and more people lately who are doing it for maintenance. Where do you fall? Have you fallen? I guess. Well, I mean, having, being someone who lost their father when I was five Mm -hmm. and then again, um, I was at the world trade center when it was bombed in 1993. And actually as we're recording it, that happened today, 30 years ago, It, it was actually February, um, February 28th. Yeah. Um, and exactly 30, 30 years ago today. Wow. So that are, those are like the, the makings of some, some PTSD. And there's certain things that happen that will trigger me where I won't expect it to trigger me. So maybe I'll, I'll go to somebody's wedding and the father of the bride gives a very moving speech. And then I'll just be broken up because I didn't have that. So like sometimes it will just catch, catch me very off guard. So that's why it's important for me to have the the therapy maintenance. Um, I think, unfortunately, the world we're living in, we went from a pandemic, you know, global health pandemic crisis. And now we're in a mental health crisis yeah. because of of everything that happened. And we see this with the shootings and things. It's just, this is a result of the pandemic. It's, it's harsh. I'm, I'm going to ask in this, and this is really, Miriam, in relation to health and wellness category and, you know, mind and mental health, which is, you know, very overlapping, obviously. I mean, the title or the subtitle of your book, step-by-step guide to making a sustainable living from your creativity to come to creativity. That has been more and more as I have grown in my daily work and vocation. It is creative. I create shows. I like you, I'm writing a book. I'm, I'm starting to look at the next book and it all comes from this creative space that though I find is the thing I've got to most protect when it comes to my health and wellness and my mind and mental health. If I am compromised, man, the first thing to go for me is the ability to be creative. And I end up sitting there just screwing around with emails and busy work and stuff because I can't enter into the space and it's gotten me I don't, I, I'm trying to not be in an unhealthy standpoint, but you know, I've got my wearable devices and every morning I'm pulling up and going, okay, where's my body battery? How was my sleep? Where, where was that? I'm kind of looking for uh, evidence that I'm ready to be creative. Uh, Do you have the ring? The aura ring. I the don't sleep ring. I, I don't have the aura ring. I, I appreciate that. But yeah, it was same thing. I've got a, a fancy Garmin watch. that tells me a lot of that stuff, but I'm looking at, you know, my creative abilities seem to be, I've got to be at my best. I'll, I'll, 
ultimately. Yeah. Well, this is what happened in 2020 is that a lot of artists really beat themselves up because all of a sudden they had all this time and they weren't being creative because all the things that they used to fill their creative well disappeared. I mean, I shared in the last episode how um, I struggled to create realistic portraits. I didn't want to paint something that was real. I didn't want to do that. So a lot of artists, they had all this extra time, but they their creative wells were completely dry. Hmm. And uh, you want me to do a Disney reference again? Please, yeah, one. no, do it, do I it. It's a, it's a good so story. In, a- in Moana, there's that whole restoring the um, the heart of the island, okay. and so I like to I talked about it as that is exactly what it feels like for someone who, whether you're an artist or a creative person or you're a business person, um, when you're burnt out and you've lost your artist heart. So the island who lost, who didn't have her heart anymore turned into the lava monster. That's what burnout looks like, the lava monster. Mm. And she couldn't create, she couldn't create trees and grass and flowers she couldn't be her creativity couldn't flourish because she had lost her artist heart so it's very important for for people to recognize in 2020 yes we had all this extra time but we didn't have extra creativity and we did get burnt out it did take a toll on us so there's been a recovery since then of really refilling that creative well that's interesting, yeah, to look at the creativity. And it makes me think of like writer's block, which I, I don't want to minimize that. I have not necessarily experienced that, but I also spend so much time, one, pursuing the things that inspire me, which I think is what you're talking about. You said uh, to fill those creative wells, to filling those, and just of body, mind, and spirit, making sure that I am there and like you know the old uh, stories that i don't know if they're all necessarily true but you know of the writers who are 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 drunk half the time and whatever Uh, some of that has been dispelled like with hemingway it was uh what was the the quote attributed to him that was later dispelled it was something like uh, write drunk edit sober And, and apparently he didn't do he drank plenty but that's he wrote sober and taking care of ourselves, body, mind, and spirit and pursuing inspiration to fuel the creativity. I feel like sometimes we miss that and just say, man, I'm just in a funk. I think they're generally, is that, again, I want to be fair and compassionate, but we can do some things to fuel that. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Yeah, well, like you said, you take your bike ride in the morning and you're out in nature. I mean, I said I I need to to do that as well. Um, whenever I'm not feeling quite right, I I go walk outside. And yeah, I live in New York City, but there's there's a Riverside Park is not that far from me, so I can see the river and I can see some trees. Uh, I sometimes call it the rat safari. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> you know, whatever so inspires you, right? But. Yeah, it's really important. So you take care of your body and you take care of your mind and you make sure you refill that creative well. Yeah. 
work, career, business. That's next. So we're talking about our vocation. That's a big focus. I mean, that's where you have leader, you know, a big leadership role there. But when you look at that just for yourself right now as things, and you've talked about the, you talk about in your book, you know, of your own story of fruition of your work and of evolving in your work. And even today, now all of a sudden you're an author and that's going to open up other opportunities. So as you're kind of weighing and and looking to balance out your life, tell me about the value that comes to the surface for your work right now. That's such a great question because so many people would look at what I did and maybe they wouldn't see me as a successful artist because I'm not in a museum or I'm not in important collections. But as far as I measure success, it has always been to me about legacy. Hmm. So this is part of, you know, we're always shaped by everything that's happened to us. I said my, I lost my father when I was five years old. So I always had this mortality motivation hmm. and I wanted to leave a legacy behind because of this really sense of my own mortality. So I started off painting portraits, but I'm also creating artwork that is an heirloom piece for that family that will be treasured for them and creating that legacy. When I started teaching online art classes, that became a legacy as well, because I'm leaving behind my techniques of how I create the art. And the motivation behind the book was also that full, that legacy piece of leaving this legacy behind. So that's my motivation is creating something that can withstand the test of time and that leaves behind a legacy so that I'm not taking it with me to the grave. That's incredible. Do you use that to filter? Because right now I assume you're having more opportunities put in front of you. Is that kind of the filter? Is this something that's going to fit into that legacy creating category? If not, you're not going to do it. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, right now, my focus is primarily on helping artists with their business. So that is the filter that I'm using. So I just turned down an opportunity this morning to teach um, art in Tennessee. And it looked so cool and fabulous. And a few years ago, I would have drooled at that opportunity. I was like, oh, this looks really great and fun. But I know that doesn't really fit into my current business plan right now. So I have to say no to really good money that maybe doesn't fit in with to the big picture of what I'm trying to accomplish right now. And that could change. You know, in five years, maybe I go back to teaching art, but right where I am right now, it isn't. So if you're asked to speak on art in and of itself outside of a business uh, producing type thing, you may say no. But if it's yeah, speaking to artists on the business, then yes. So it's an easy filter. That's right. Yeah. I will also speak about business in general because of the way I define art. I know I can help. A, it's where I feel I can be the most help right now and mm -hmm. leave leave the biggest impact on people. Yeah, I'd like to hear I, I continually more from you on what we talked about in the first episode, too, of just the art and creativity opportunity in all business. I feel like we're missing that culturally, and there's never been more, I was to say more of a need, but more of an opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, if you are creative, you will very quickly stand out from everybody who's writing their content with ChatGPT. <laughs> like, yeah. There's the ant there's the next book, The Antidote to ChatGPT. That's right. Creativity. There's your next book. Um, I'll get give me royalties on that one. All right, money. Speaking of royalties, money, uh, finances, wealth, possessions, even. Tell me about the values that you're uh, holding up right now. Okay. So you can tell a lot of people about their values, about where they spend their money. We've already established yep. that. Yep, okay. Yep. So, uh, I, I invest, we invest our money into, uh, our homes 
in, you know, this is beside the savings and that stuff, right? This is about where we were, what we're spending for fun. Is that the, what's the question exactly? Yeah, yeah, where the values are. Well, and even, and even from a big level where the value is with money, as you look at that, you know, and some people really are going to value having a lot of investment, having a lot of money. Some are, you know, with, with, with how they spend it or how they give it away or legacy back to that. Oh no, you know. You're, you're actually, you're right. So my husband and I, we each have our own separate retirement accounts. So my husband, it's a lot in cash and bonds. He's a, he's not a big risk taker. Yeah. Me, it's like 70% emerging markets. I mean, like we're on a roller coaster over here because I don't know, either I'm going to live to 120 and I'll make a lot of money or I'll die tomorrow and none of it will matter. So it's like, I might as well take a risk with it. Fair. Fair. Uh, with, I mean, right now, you know, in, teaching. I mean, your, your t- money is a big focus of yours with art and saying that, well, kind of even back to that, you were asking about my podcast, that the money is what sounds like you come from that spirit of the money is what supports your art without it. It's hard to support. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 my philosophy, it's either free or expensive. And that was the thing that was very hard when it came to selling an $18 book, by the way. It's like, I have no idea how to sell something in, at this price point. So like, I'm very good at selling very things very expensive or just giving it away for free. Now, what do you do? So yeah, that's my philosophy. You know, I will stick in here since we're on the topic of art and money. You mentioned this. It's one of the first stories in your book. And you mentioned it in the first time we talked of somebody who started out uh, as a woman and she was kind of doing, you know, small art, small prices. And you said, Mm -hmm. let's do some big things and let's expand that. It's always of interest to me. I think with any product or service, but especially when we're talking about brands and so often, you know, is the quality, is the content really justify four times the price of X, Y, Z. And sometimes it's just the story behind that. And when you get to art, so is the art piece, if you take two comparable paintings, let's say, and say, man, from a quality standpoint, you can't really discern that one is better than the other, but this one is selling for 50 bucks and this one's 50 grand. I can promise you the person investing 50 grand in that painting is not going to sell it at their next garage sale. Yeah. No one ever said in the history of anything, oh, this bottle of wine should have been $500. Like people just take the bottle, this is what it costs, so therefore it must be really good. Or this, you know, there is, a, the shortcut is the, the price tag about what, how, how we perceive things. Now you would want, you want to talk about the client at the beginning with, with her, yeah. her mind drama. So, um, a lot, I use a lot of real case studies in my book. And then sometimes the client didn't give me permission. I changed the names right. and the details. So the person I talk about in chapter one, she is a real person, but changed the name. So we're, we are calling her Faye. And it's a true story. She came to me. She had just been laid off from work and she had a severance package. So she had time to work on her artwork and she was literally selling her artwork for $50 each. And her sister was telling her, sell it two, two for one, do a BOGO. Wow. I was like, no. So once we cleaned up her mind drama, she learned to raise her prices to $1,400. And did the clients disappear? No, they didn't disappear. Well, she had different ones. We all, There's a lot of artists who feel, and business people, that they are excluding people if their price is too high. But you're excluding people if your price is too low. 
because the people up there won't even look at you if your yeah. price isn't at a certain level. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and that's where I'm fishing for because it kind of states the value. If you're a lawyer who charges, you know, 50 bucks an hour, I'm not expecting a whole lot. If you charge five grand an hour, I'm expecting a lot now, but it, I mean, it's not, I mean, play with that. It, it's, it's not completely arbitrary. I mean, there is a level of skill and mastery and experience that needs to go behind it. Well, you're smiling, go. There's a lot of arbitrariness. Okay. I mean, come on. The art market, what makes a painting worth $300 million? Because somebody's willing to pay it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And it may not even be painted by Da Vinci. We don't know. We just think it is. We just think it is. (laughs) Well, so we're back again to the value that we equate with the story. If I come into the art gallery and I'm looking at something and it's got a $10,000 price tag, whatever, and I'm looking at it, I mean, is that ever, and this isn't my world as far as that type of art, but is it ever bought without somebody understanding, knowing something about the artist? They know the artist, they know the story. I mean, is that why they have in the, you know, the art showing, they have the artist present because they are the connection that people have to the art. Certainly art is sold in the high-end auction market where it's not about a personal connection, but then that still is something that you are buying the story. So what what I was alluding to before there was, uh, it was called Salvador Mundi, uh, Jesus painting that they think was painted by Da Vinci, but they're not really sure. And a Saudi prince bought it for literally uh, $350 something million. And the reason it's not even on display, It's not even on display. So they think the reason that he did it was more like just a power move, just to show that he could spend that kind Mm. of money on art. Wow. They don't even think it's a real one. They don't think it's a real Da Vinci. Which comes back to some of the aspects of art, but we're talking about perception. We're talking about point of view. Again, that people are buying your point of view that if you're going to have an art piece that uh, is, you're going to sell it for more or you're coaching, you know, your coaching fee, whatever it is, or as a lawyer, whatever that you've got to have something though, that they're connecting to, to equate the value. That's right. That's right. Um, You know, one of the stories I walk through or uh, metaphors I walk through in the book is like, what would you sell a black t-shirt for? You could sell it for $9, but if you go to uh, Bergdorf Goodman, you can find t-shirts that are between 500 and a thousand dollars. And then what if, uh, and Kevin, you have a you have a daughter does, who likes maybe Lady Gaga. 
she would very much value if that t-shirt was designed by Brandon Maxwell, Lady Gaga's uh, designer. Like, yeah, right. I mean, so there's there's certain things that are going to make people light up. And again, it goes back to what we were saying on the last episode, which is what does buying this say about you? Yeah. You, the customer. And here's where a lot of artists and business people get it wrong. They think that, Kevin, if you were to, if I were to try to sell my painting behind me to you, the, an artist would think that you're trying to decide if my painting is worth $10,000. No. You're trying to decide, Kevin, if you're worth spending $10,000 to have that piece of art. That's what you're thinking about. You're not thinking about me at all. That's that's it. Well, again, what does it imply about me? I, I, what I just, does it say yeah. about you? That's the self-actualization I, piece. I'm what does a, it say about you? I'm wearing a brand new, uh, brand new jeans from Outer Known. Uh, so they they advertised at probably four, three years ago, something like that. I actually paid money for these, uh, and that's Kelly Slater, famous surfboard guy. But they're known for being sustainable. You know that this supports people in a good work environment, sustainable stuff. That's what I paid 150 bucks for the jeans for because I have no idea if the quality is any better than the whatever they would be at the mall. I didn't even have malls these days. I don't know wherever you would walk in and buy. I shouldn't diss a brand, but you know, one of the basic brands, I don't know. I have no idea, but I'm going to wear them. What does it imply about me? Where do I want to give my money? Do I want to give it to someplace that may be a sweatshop or someplace that says they're sustainable? I mean, I didn't go vet them and go to the factory, but I believe the guy, I believe the story. I've heard other people talk about them. And so I'm wearing, I don't even know, maybe 150 bucks. That's a lot for jeans to me. Maybe that's not that big a deal in the marketplace, but I still bought a story. You did. I did. All right. Last one here. This is, what do you do to the activities that give you energy? This is, and I like lately I've been putting this in the concept of not necessarily productive things. Cause I mean, you, you, you know, we, you write a book that has a productivity aspect to that. Are there some things that may fall into the, it's not just necessarily for a productive outcome, but I'm doing this thing. I'm dancing because it gives me energy. What, what, okay. Falls this is in such a good you. question. Right. Um, and you know, we talked about therapy earlier. Yeah. So one of the challenges my therapist gave me, cause it's very hard for me. I have a very difficult time doing nothing. Like I have to constantly be doing something. Yeah. So like at night, like I can't just watch TV. I have to knit. So I have to knit while I'm watching TV. You know, right. I have to be doing something constantly. Maybe it's cause I'm ADHD. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It, relaction is very difficult for me. What was the question? It was like, what do well, I do? It's to- funny you say that, Hart, because my buddy, the doctor, uh, who I share offices with, and he talks about for people like you and me, uh, I fall into the hard work of relaxation. So there you go. It, it does not come easy for me. Yeah. And the my husband complains about it because, and it's not so much that I'm working at night because I'm not. The problem is, is that I can't leave my artist business persona behind. Huh. And then you'll you have noticed that during this second interview we did, it was like, oh, I'm supposed to talk about myself without talking about business. Yeah. Oh, how does that look? I have no idea. 
No one asked me that before. I'm not really sure what to do. No, I can talk about my book. That's so easy. Let me talk about that. Let me tell you how to make money. You know, so like it's very hard for me to leave that behind. So is that part? Is that the answer? So the things that, okay, what do you do? That's a non-productive thing that gives you energy is somewhat of the answer that you don't. I guess so. I mean, that's what makes me seem very spectrumy, as your kids would say. Well, like, your, I don't spec- want to, your spectrum. I don't showing. want to shut up. My spectrum is showing. <laughs> well, so, so not not necessarily a hobby, not a thing that you like. You and even to. my friends, my all my best friends now, they're all people who have businesses. Like in the like, that's who I relate to. So. Yeah. Um, my hobbies, I go to museums. I mean, like what, what am I doing that like, I, yeah, I work out, I work out, Yeah, I work out. I, I use the steam room that I, it's the only thing where I don't work. What's, but, what's entertainment for you? Hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely going to museums. My daughter is a cellist. Um, she, so she's an orchestra music teacher. So we went to the Philharmonic. Yeah. I loved that. That was amazing. So there, I wasn't working then. Tell me about real quick then art in that, because if we're looking, let's talk about like the fine arts. Are there sometimes when you are participating in that in painting, whatever, and you're not doing it to create something to sell it. You're just doing that for well, call it therapy, whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, the art that's behind me, I didn't monetize that. Yeah. I didn't sell it. I, maybe someday I will, but I haven't. That was just for you. Yeah, that's totally. What that's what I'm fishing totally. for. Yeah, totally. I like. I was like, I'm gonna make art to stage my house, and it's it's not art that's for sale, and it's not you know I'm not having a show around it. I just want to make it. Yeah, love so, it. Yeah, love it. Thank you. Thanks for the candor and uh, and the laughs and the inspiration. Honestly, uh, I think this will uh, it'll inspire a lot of people just as it has me. Thank you again for the time to be on here and for spreading your love of art and the ability to sustain ourselves with our art. Such a gift, Miriam. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for having me, Kevin. I'm really appreciating this focus on creativity that Miriam is fostering with us. And we're going to be continuing on in this topic. Again, you can find Miriam Schulman's book, Artpreneur, everywhere. And she's got a free chapter that she'll give you if you go to Schulman, S-C-H-U-L-M-A-N, schulmanart.com slash believe. Uh, And again, I encourage you to Take your podcast platform that you're listening to right now and search for and find her at uh, her podcast, The Inspiration Place, real popular podcast. Thank you as always for tuning into this self-helpful podcast where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends. 